So basically from the top, I, I started doing these video chat series kind of as a, a little bit of a satire of, uh, you know, the whole lockdown scenario. Um, and it, I figured it was a good opportunity to connect with more people than I typically would in a, in a traditional podcast uh, format. And then also I wanted to use it uh, to, to really discuss the impacts of COVID-19 on the real estate market um, and how we've seen different things change. And I want to apply sort of as many different lenses as I can to that, uh, this new set of challenges as possible so we can try to work together to solve the problems, I suppose, which seems to be the, the general theme <coughs> of catching. Um, so if, if possible, well, first I wanted to say thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, if possible, if you could just do a, a quick introduction of who you are, what you do, and, and how things have changed for you, let's say, you know, since the beginning of the year. For sure. Uh, well, my name is Anson Kwok. Uh, I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Pinnacle International. Um, and I've been with Pinnacle for over the last 12 years. Uh, so I started when the recession happened in 2008. So uh, for me, it's kind of uh, been pretty strong, you know, obviously the last 10 years. And uh, this is kind of a new switch to uh, how life is. Um, but for me, I guess, uh, because I've experienced 2008, to me, it's uh, this is quite the positive for it. There's obviously an opportunity to retool uh, probably for the first time since I joined uh, in 2008 of how we do things because uh, reality is we never really had to change uh, in the industry and how to do things. So we've been uh, pretty fortunate. Uh, you know, my day to day has been quite uh, a little bit different. Obviously it looks uh, um, even though I'm in sales and marketing, I actually deal a lot with development. Uh, with our uh, property management team and with our construction team. So uh, I'm used to being kind of have my hands into a lot of different things, but obviously from a uh, working from home uh, point of view, there's obviously a lot more phone calls uh, versus uh, people uh, able to grab me from the walking down the hallway or going back to my office. So I think those things are kind of the, uh, the daily changes. And obviously I, uh, uh, a big thing for me as well is that we, uh, we have four active construction sites. So on a typical week, I'd probably try to get out there at least uh, one afternoon and try to walk the site and whether it's, you know, the parking lots or looking at street layouts and looking how things go. Obviously, uh, since it started, I, I haven't proceeded out onto the site just to, uh, you know, adding an extra body onto the site is not always the, great, the greatest idea. Obviously, they're uh, changing their protocols on site and I just want to make sure that, uh, we keep that construction team um, safe, but that definitely has changed kind of how we do things. Uh, it's been also unique uh, spending a lot of time on virtual meetings with the city, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more efficient for them. And uh, so it's been pretty, pretty helpful actually. Yeah. I've actually heard pretty uh, mixed reviews on, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. I heard, I've heard from a lot of people that the, um, there's almost like a, an increase in efficiency as a result of not having to coordinate all the logistics of, of you know, uh, consultants, engineers, et cetera, um, throughout the development process. Have you found that as well? Yeah, I definitely think it's, uh, it's actually improved. I think efficiency has been, been uh, pretty drastic because I think most of coordinating meetings uh, between consultants uh, and the city, a lot of it has to do with travel time. So, you know, Whereas, you know, in the virtual world, you can actually have back-to-back -back meetings and have no conflicts. Um, a lot of people put a lot of buffers into their calendars. So I, I think there is a lot more uh, efficiencies for us. And 
And I think it's been, uh, it's been helpful, I think, in that sense, because just the general coordination of, you know, five consultants to, to interact with each other, it's not that easy in a, in a everyday world. And now in the virtual world, it's pretty easy to set the calendar up and, and create that. And not to mention nowadays, if you're, even if you're not on video, you can actually call in pretty easily versus maybe it was a little less uh, socially acceptable to call into a, a meeting of a whole bunch of consultants. Yeah. Fact, you know, I don't think that would have been, that wouldn't have fl flown too well in the, uh, in the meeting room. And now it's, you know, not uncommon. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a great way to, you know, kind of increase the efficiency. Um, obviously it takes a lot of traffic off the roads actually, because uh, even for our industry alone, all the, you know, going to and from meetings is, takes up a lot of, uh, takes a lot of cars. You know, you might be one consultant, uh, you know, it might be three consultants from the same firm, but quite often they were driving three different cars because they were going elsewhere after. Yeah. So, you know, there's definitely benefits for sure. Uh, it's just changing the game uh, that, uh, you know, I, I think probably needed to be changed. It's just, yeah. this is the uh, the time to you know, kind of force us to change. Yeah. Do you think it'll be a lasting change? Um, I think there is. I think there's definitely a lot of things are more socially acceptable. So I think, you know, hey, you know, I have a conflict. I can't make it there, but I can I can call in. Yeah. Uh, now that, you know, pretty much every conference room has the, the technology and, you know, depending on what uh, platform you're on, there's obviously some that are more secure than others. But I think uh, people have all worked on various uh, platforms now, um, which makes it a lot more acceptable. And I, I think that's uh, maybe not a bad way uh, for us to, I mean, I think there's going to be that transition anyways for the rest of the year yeah. where uh, municipalities and different companies have taking different initiatives and you know you, you obviously will see less face-to-face uh, -face meetings from different organizations so um in some ways it's probably a little bit healthier uh way because obviously uh, you know you talk to a lot of consultants they you know some of them are the entire day just uh going from meeting to meeting you know yeah. commuting and never actually being able to get back to their office and actually work on your file yeah so you know it's a it's a, it's a, it's a change for sure yeah i i have a, I guess, a curiosity, and maybe we can use this to pivot to sort of the macro uh, com element of the of that question. But um, do you think that this poses a threat to? I've heard a lot of prominent economists um, talking about how this could really change the nature of the central business district. And obviously, you know, given the understanding that urbanization employment is a big uh, component of of convincing people to live in an urban area, or, or one of the big value propositions. Do you personally, or, or you know, based on the research and information that you're consuming, think that that that's that there's a, actually a credible threat to the the notion of a central business district as a result of this, like a financial core? No, I I think uh you know I think that's a you know that's a great question. I, I think I, I think the world actually I think I think the general statement I I would say everyone's kind of looking at their businesses differently, but I, I do think there's going to be some balances. I think we yeah. switched to a lot of new open concept offices where it's really one big long countertop with, you know, 20 people with headphones on. Uh, obviously now in the new world, you probably won't see that anymore. So I think you'll, you know, I, I think that's, that's important. Um, that that's going to probably change to some of the older style cubicle, larger format, uh, um, office spaces so i feel like there is there's going to be that balance and that recalibration i think there are still some companies that excel a lot better in person 
um, in terms of collaboration and so forth versus uh, completely on digital. Um, but I, I think with this experience, you also see the other side. I think it's very common that a lot of people wanted to work from home. Mm -hmm. And uh, with this experience, maybe they, it's not as, it doesn't sound as good. You know, like I always compare it to um, when you come into university, you're like, oh, that's a great job. You get to travel so much on this work, on this, uh, yeah, on your yeah. new job. And then they travel for like six months and like, it really isn't that great. No, you know, and I think uh, work at home is kind of a similar concept where you're yeah. like, hey, you know, I kind of like the idea of being able to, you know, grab a coffee, walk to work, kind of relax a bit before I get back home. Uh, whereas now it's kind of like, um, you know, the difference between uh, work you and home you is quite, uh, quite minimal. Yeah. I guess it's that grass is greener phenomenon, right? Uh, for sure. But I think offices are, you know, even because we operate in an office building, you know, you see some people are, you know, thinking about shifting to more of a, a work, you know, work at home program. But then there's obviously those companies that are like, I think I need more space because I've, I've kind of packed people in too tightly yeah. in terms of, you know, yet everyone every three feet, you know, in terms of uh, deck space. So, yeah. you know, I, I think the world is going to bounce a bit. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting and security note, is going to be a huge thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was Ben Tal who was had posted some information on on um, that there could actually be a net positive um, demand on office space because you know if if social distancing becomes a sort of permanent policy, then if people are going to be working in collaborative workplaces, there needs to be more square footage per individual, right? So even though some companies might suffer economically and have to exit completely, or some might elect to go completely work from home, the ones that stay in the offices will need larger offices. So I thought that was a pretty interesting concept anyway. Well, I think I, that that is gonna happen. I think there's still gonna be a lot of offices that will keep maintain their space just because of their business and trying to keep their business secure. Um, you know, obviously uh, there's, we've all had to kind of work at home pretty quickly. So, um, so maybe there's not as many targets as, uh, as typical, but uh, I mean, I do think there's, you know, there's a lot more infrastructure and a lot more planning that needs to go into uh, making sure that a lot of these uh, banks and, you know, consultancy firms and so forth are, are actually, you know, hundred percent secure uh, and not targets for uh, all the other fun games that uh, occur when everyone's working from home. So, I mean, there is a, there is a component where some, Uh, for sure, there are obviously exceptions and people that need to uh, that can definitely work from home easily. It's just uh, you know we have an entire network, you know, everywhere of support staff, admin staff, you know, all those components, you know, that really is not that easy to work from home. And uh, I think that's still going to be still important in grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, on the on the sales side of uh, residential um, development, how, how are things looking? Like, I think that's a big question that a lot of people are, are eager, and, I'm, and I know you're pretty active, at least uh, attentive on Twitter. Um, so I'm sure you've seen some of these dialogues and I, I'm having a hard time deciding whether or not I, I agree with either the bear or the bull thesis in, in these scenarios, but what is, what is, the, what, is there any anecdotal evidence that you can give me of things going in either direction or is absorption still pretty strong? Does it feel like a risk factor right now? Like I know that some of these buildings that have sold, you know, this early this year, 
people are speculating that even in a, in a sideways environment, there's risk that those, those purchasers aren't going to want to close in, you know, X years, but, but I think also discounting for the, how long, how much longer construction could take as a result of the delays from social distancing, I guess, high level, what, what's your, what's your outlook there? Well, I mean, for me, I, I, you know, just from obviously being pretty active in the, in the industry, it's, uh, I, you know, it's, it's so different. I think we, you know, I think people's natural instincts is that, you know, we're kind of in that typical recession mode and, you know, this is what's happening in a recession, but it's not a recession at all. I mean, I think in a recession period, uh, when, when Canada's weak, other countries are strong. This is kind of a scenario where everyone's kind of in the same boat. So to me, I kind of look at more like, uh, you know, you're on the street and it's the, you know, it's that uh, stoplight that never actually turns red. And this is the first time it's actually turned red. Right. And, you know, everyone's kind of like, oh, it turned red. And yeah. everyone had to stop and pause. And, but, you know, like over the last like three weeks, I've seen a lot, of, you know, we've gotten a lot more inquiries. We've it's been a lot more active. We're writing deals. Uh, so for me, like, I, I think people are, are now crossing the street again. But for the last, probably like the last 10 years, it's kind of been a herd mentality where, you know, it never turns red. So just keep on going and everyone yeah. keeps on crossing the street. And to me, it's, uh, you know, I, I think there's some benefits to it. I think we are, uh, I think going to start seeing some pricing uh, that's probably a little bit more accurate to the location in the city. Right. Uh, so that people can help, you know, to help purchasers make that decision. I think for, for a little while, kind of all projects, no matter where they were between uh, 416 or 905 kind of became uh it almost became the same price right. and people couldn't really differentiate, you know, what was a good location? What was a bad location? Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think that a location, you know, commands the a prices and, you know, C or D locations should be getting C and D pricing, not uh, everything being the same. And uh, I, I think that's, that's one thing I see as a positive because I think that actually helps the decision-making process for the purchaser. Um, to find the product that suits them, not yeah. just a fancy name or a great brochure or, yeah. you know, or just buy cause they have to because of scarcity. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, those, those are things that are drivers. And that, that's like that kind of that herd mentality of saying, just crossing the street. Every, well, everyone else is crossing. So I got to cross too. Yeah. And now you got more people kind of just watching people cross. Yeah. There are going to be people that are going to be a little bit hesitant, but I, I've definitely seen a, a strong, um, a strong position for people to start crossing the street again, knowing that, you know, whether it's something that you move in quickly or, you know, some of these projects are four or five years away. So there's definitely, yeah. um, they feel quite com comfortable purchasing uh, now. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's the other piece that a lot of people don't realize, like anything that's closing today had sold, you know, five years ago, probably depending on the scale of the project, like, you know, there's a lot of value baked in there. Um, on that note about location, I just, and this is just a curiosity, um, the fact that, you know, prices seemed pretty much, they, they, they did seem kind of independent of location. It was sort of just like you baked in the speculation and people were just buying what they could. Do you think that much of that has to do with the, or is it a reflection of the fact that a lot of purchasers are actually not from the city and perhaps not even from Canada? Like that, you know, for an investment that might just be out of touch with, the the you know the the neighborhood differences within the city yeah absolutely i think that that has a lot to do with that because i think um you know even for me as as someone that 
observes a lot of uh, marketing out there. I mean, I, I'll see things that, you know, almost everything is five minutes away from Ryerson or five minutes away from University of Toronto. But, you know, I know that even if I was uh, being transported, five minutes might be a, a long time. And, you know, it, it, there's a, obviously a, a tough component in that because it's a competitive market. Um, you know, there's a lot of projects out there. Um, so, you know, people use a lot of big streets and people, oh, you know, I recognize that street. Um, but in the day, a lot of people are also purchasing because of uh, wanting to get, you know, an investment vehicle, maybe locations not as important for them. Um, and, and kind of working through that, which is, which is not uncommon. It's just, hey, the price sounds right. Location sounds good. It's a builder I'm aware of. Um, and I just need to, you know, I, I, it's more of a play for future equity versus, you know, really getting things through. Right. Okay. On that note, then how much risk would you say? I, I think a lot of people are really analyzing, like, especially the ghost hotels, you know, the Airbnb stuff that's kind of, I think there was an anticipated supply shock and it, it wasn't as, as bad as most anticipated. Um, but if the re if the resale market starts pulling down on on values, um, does that pose a, a relatively big threat, or like is that sort of isolated to the to the resale market because of the long run um, sales cycle of trying to like the projects that you guys are working on? Like you said, you know, you're probably five ten years on some of these phases. For sure. I mean, I, I think ghost hotels and so forth. I think it's interesting because obviously there's been a about 7,500 units that went back out onto the market that yeah. was through the Airbnb that uh, kind of just changed the world of both uh, rentals and resale. But I mean, as you look at the statistics, it's really just certain buildings. I mean, I know for ourselves, all our buildings don't allow for Airbnb. Right. So, you know, pretty much all our projects are kind of, that are built are kind of resilient to that just because that wasn't actually a, a thing that we allowed in our condo docs. And it's not something that we allow now in our future projects. So, you know, a lot of, if you looked at a lot of units, I think most of them were in four main buildings in this, in downtown Toronto, that kind of all of a sudden everyone was in a panic and, and not to mention that's a very tough resale market when people don't allow you to go into their units. Yeah. It's a sure. very, it's a very different, you know, I know that's a, sounds like a very little thing, but selling a resale unit based on, some pictures is a very difficult thing. So I think that's where you're going to have to look at that, that red light I was talking about. Yeah. It's just, you know, end of the day, people still have that property. It's just how fast they wanted to unload it. But really it wasn't a great time to sell when, you know, there's 125 listings for the same building, all based on pictures because you weren't allowed in the building. Yeah. So, so it's, it's that kind of changes the, the thought process. Yeah, so it's almost like just as likely to look like an anomaly in hindsight as it would be like it could look like a trend today, right? Because eventually like that supply will exhaust and things should go back to normal, right? Or I, I guess then 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 the whole discussion of the looming macro threat, you know, kind of gets in, in there. And, and I mean, that's something we don't really need to discuss. I think everybody's sort of aware of all, you know, the Canadian debt scenario. Immigration, actually, the numbers seem to be strong still, so... I mean, yeah, I think uh, once once the border opens up, I think the you know you'll see a lot of things change as well. It's just yeah. right now, I think everyone's just on a, a speculation game. But I mean, for me, there's a lot, you know, the way to look 
the way I look at it, it's it's really for us to do a kind of a, you know, a reset and kind of change how we, we kind of do business. So, right. you know, we've always been committed kind of to the same kind of way of doing business. And now we've finally been able to, you know, take a pause and kind of reflect and kind of change kind of our strategies and knowing that, the, you know, I don't think the industry is going to be hundred percent, you know, obviously it will not be the same. It won't, yeah. you know, we just got to be able to plan for the new normal. Um, so, so to me that, to me, it's like a, a positive situation because on a, on a regular day-to-day work life, you would never be able to overhaul your entire, your entire program or entire system. And I would say in the last two months, I, I think there's been a lot of, um, you know, speaking for myself and, and my team, we've spent a lot of time kind of, redoing how we do things which yeah. is uh you know when things are going quite well you don't usually ever do that so for us you know uh, as simple as you know our website you know yeah. our our entire you know website was kind of pushing people to go to our sales centers you know you know we we wouldn't you know there's some things we might not show everything on the website but now we got to show everything on the website yeah um even to a point where we got to start you know we've added a, a price search on our website just so that People can kind of help themselves uh, gauge what you know where they're at, and also all the images of all my model suites and all my sales centers, they all got shifted to my website, which I typically in the past you would come to my sales center to see it. But right. knowing that the new normal, maybe fifty percent of people would still come back to sales centers, and what we've been doing the last two months is probably going to be the new normal for the other fifty percent. So yeah. you know we've been working. You know I, I don't think any of the efforts have been lost. I think we've. Uh, we've only, you know, increased our channels, which is a, it's a really kind of, in some ways, a positive thing in terms of looking at sales because a lot of it was done kind of the same way, same method, same playbook. A lot of people were doing the same thing. And and now it's time to kind of reinvent ourselves, really utilize your strengths and uh, get back on the marketplace. But uh, I I think that's a tough change for a lot of people because a lot of people have been using the same playbook for a long time and, and uh, I, I think the, the, those are the people that are going to be the most challenged because I don't think things are going to be exactly where, where they were in February. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I think that, you know, uh, we get often criticized as being a, a dinosaur industry. And I think that there's, you know, an element of truth to that. And I, I would agree. Like, it sounds like you guys have had that agility and, and malleability to, to change the processes pretty promptly which is a reflection of of the good work that you're doing but i think that there are a lot of groups out there that you know aren't might not have that that capability um and and might not even be seeing things for what they are like you know that that you know you might have a reduction in in, like you're never going to have those big launch parties anymore at least for for the foreseeable future right and i think that a lot of that stuff like i think we're going down a road where a, a comp, uh, an industry like real estate that was so ripe for disruption, but also so resistant to it is, is just in the snap of a finger forced to adapt by using some of this stuff. Um, do you, no, that's fair. Sorry. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, do you guys find yourself like, are you exploring things like VR and, and all that yet or? Yeah. I mean, we, we've been exploring that. I mean, I, I think the one thing that kind of positions us a little bit different is that we've always been a little bit, uh, probably more old school based on long-term relationship uh, type of real estate to start with. So, yeah. you know, even when I, you know, when we launch a project, we, we never have the several hundred people in the sales center. Um, right. You know, that type of, uh, 
that's not really in our playbook ever, you know, ever since we, uh, we've kind of been selling here in Toronto, we've really been based on a loyalty kind of system. Like if you've been selling a lot for us, obviously you'll get first opportunity, but we don't, uh, we never needed the, uh, you know, focused on the 1200 person, really nice spread, uh, you know, great uh, food and wine type of scenario. That's never been our style. So for us, it's uh, kind of a, in some ways it's not as, challenging for us i guess to pivot because it's actually quite uh yeah you know quite the route to our you know it's it's kind of our true colors anyways in, in yeah. terms of the scenario the only difference is um like i said just making sure technology is the same and, and just picking what makes sense because obviously there's a lot of vr there's a lot of videos there's a lot of uh options out there but also making sure that those things are you you know you can actually utilize them to sell yeah, because I think there's all those things are great words and great products. There's some really cool stuff out there, but sometimes it doesn't work for everything. And I think that's the uh, you know trying to be able to filter that through and and work through that uh, technology. I mean, you know, there's one thing that we're working on a website that uh, I'm I'm hoping or I'm assuming it will pick up in the uh, in the in the world is that uh, we're adding a you know something that you can pick your floor plans, your renderings, all the different components. Uh, for Sky Tower, and then you can you can make your own PDF. Like you're basically making your own brochure, selecting the things that you're looking for. So okay, I think that's like a, a build your own shoe thing on Nike or whatever. Like where you yeah. Can, so make, so we make your car. Yeah. So I was uh, kind of you know in that discussion at the beginning of the year already going hey this is kind of I, I see that as a new uh, new way of doing things, and then all of a sudden we had to kind of get in there and actually make it a, a live thing. But I think it it's great for you know, I think the person that's trying to, you know, convince their parents that this is a good purchase or yeah. go towards uh, for some, some real estate agents out there that need to kind of, you know, really cater to their clients. So I, I think for me, it's, you know, I, I think we're now just becoming more of a, you know, kind of a bespoke type of uh, made to measure type of, uh, yeah. you know, developer versus just generic off the rack, uh, you know, fits everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we've had to change that type of mentality, but uh you know, which I think is for the positive. I think I'm always excited about new tools and uh, new things. And uh, for us, I, I think that's going to kind of be the new wave of how we're going to do things because right now I can't really get a big brochure to anyone. Right. Does, is it, is it changing your cost structure much? Like, I guess it could actually technically be a reduction on your cost structure because tech is, is, I mean, obviously the upfront, the sunk cost of putting it all together, but yeah. once it's running, as an infrastructure, it could be almost less. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think 50% are still going to go to the sales centers and 50% still going to go online. So I think you're, you're actually running two parallel systems, right? Uh, which is, might be a little bit more than before, before you might have maybe spent maybe, you know, 20% on your online stuff. Uh, but for us, you know, we, uh, we had to balance the, both of it, but also we have, we have big projects. So, you know, some of our master plan communities, like you said, might take five, 10 years. Um, yeah. You know, one young, for example, I've, I personally been working on the development process for, for eight years. So it seems, um, seems like it's been rewarding though. Yeah. It's, it, it, and, but it's, it's exciting. And I think that's the, you know, behind the scenes work that needs to go in there to make the, you know, you know, evolve projects to get to that stage. And, and that's with our, a lot of our other projects, you know, in Mississauga, I think, I think we've been working on that for probably 10 years. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, a lot of energy that goes into it, but obviously, you know, going through that community and listening to people, uh, the residents in there, it's a, it's a pretty rewarding, uh, scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be. Um, 
On, um, I guess we will kind of jump back to the script. We did get a little bit. I, that was really nice, nice dialogue. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I guess that the big thing that that a lot of people want to try and extract value from this is sort of like beyond. I think most can read between the lines with, about you know the things that you're doing to to adapt, and I, and I think that's shed a lot of great insight. Um, but is there anything that you're directly telling to? I know you do like a lot of work with you know ULI and, and a bunch of groups in the industry. That you know if you were talking to a young um, person in the industry who hadn't really dealt with this, like you had mentioned that, you know, in 2008, you were, that's when you were starting at Pinnacle. Um, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving to people about how to get through this and, and you know, and, and deal with the challenges that, that we're seeing in this industry right now? Well, I think, I think it's a, I mean, I think the industry, I mean, real estate itself is a very long-term industry. So I think that's, that's part of the, uh, you know, the, the initial part of it is understanding that it, it's always uh, something that, you know, we're supposed to go through peaks and valleys. That's just part of any, any chart you ever seen in the industry. But I think there's a lot of components to it. And I think a lot of times, you know, it's a, we call it an old school industry, but it's a very complex industry now. Yeah. There's so many different components to it. And we're always trying to kind of, you know, paint it with one brush and it, it's really difficult. And I think that's why you see, um, you know, even in the simplistic form is like, you, you'll see commercial agents, you see industrial agents, you'll see, you know, condos, resale, high, you know, like there's, it's all, everyone's branched out even for lending and so forth. So it, it's way more complex than it is. And, and you know what, as much as maybe there's some components that might be struggling, there's other areas that are just booming. I yeah. mean, you think of right now with, um, the world just being online shoppers. I mean, think of industrial warehousing. It's, uh, you know, you, you can't keep it off the, you know, you can't keep it on the shelves versus, yeah. you know, maybe everyone else is kind of a little bit in the pause because, you know, a resale agent might not be able to do an open house or bring someone through a building, but sure. we all go through those challenges and those waves. And, um, you know, I, I think that's, that's the thing is, is you have to be patient. I think we're, we're trying to, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to like out think, what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you're, you know, a lot of people are like 15 steps ahead. Yeah. The problem is that they don't know what step one is yet. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's being calm and seeing what's kind of happening in front of you. You got, you know, like driving, driving through like a, a dust up on a, on a racetrack, you got to let things clear before you kind of go through. Right. It's a, you know, you've watched a lot, enough movies where that, you know, yeah. if you're just, you know, if you don't, be patient. You're just gonna, you're gonna get yourself hurt. And I think that's, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to kind of go, Hey, let's take a step back. Yes. We might need to change how we do things, but really, it's really just a timeout. Like yeah. that's really what we've, uh, we bought ourselves yeah. uh, is a timeout to kind of either you can make the most of it or you can kind of make it doom and gloom. And yeah, but I don't see it. I don't see it as a doom and gloom scenario we've changed the way we do things, but yeah. I, I think we've never had to do it. And I think the great thing is that it's collective. It's not just Toronto centric or only in Canada, it's around the world. And yeah. I think that makes it a lot more socially acceptable. You're not uh, trying to you know, explain to someone overseas what HST is or, yeah. you know, or this politician changed this. Yeah. This is something that, you know, it's something that a global phenomenon that everyone understands, which, uh, yeah even for us is different than SARS. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, you really hit the nail on the head there. I think with, with the two pieces that, you know, and that's the first one would be sort of my objective for this podcast, which is that, you know, there are so many different specializations and niches within the industry that, that need to be examined through their own lens. Like, and, you know, the industrial side would be a good example. Like there's a lot of, a lot of funds that are so bullish on this concept of repatriation of supply chains, which I don't really, you know, it's too political for me to even guess whether or not that's going to happen, but industrial is, is strong as ever. Um, and that's just one example. And then the other piece that you mentioned is, you know, that we're all in this together. It's like the first time ever, I would say that globally we're facing a challenge together. And I think that that sort of cuts the, the, the doom and gloom a little bit because it's, it's actually been so far quite remarkable how much people have, have come together to solve a lot of these problems. And, and, and I actually, I'm, I was a bit of a cynic prior to this, maybe not a bit, I was a lot of a cynic prior to this. And, and I found that actually like almost uh, just really, really surprised and, and, and happy to see the way that things have progressed. So, I mean, that's been, been nice. Um, I, I, I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, so I guess the, the two final things is one, is there anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't get to? And then two, um, is there somewhere that, that people can reach you if they want to, you know, discuss the developments that you're working on or, or how to get their hands on a unit, or if they want to pitch you some VR technology or something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think the only thing uh, we also need to remember is also construction has actually been, for the most part, going, you know, working towards, you know, working since, uh, since this whole thing happened. So, you know, for us, we have four full construction sites that are in full construction. So even though maybe some things in the world pause, you know, something that's going beside it is still, still moving, obviously not the, probably the same efficiency as, um, you know, uh, I guess we're used to, but, you know, like for us, like we have a building moving in this fall and we're, you know, we're excited about that, but it's a great opportunity for people. But then, you know, I have construction at all different stages and, you know, we're soon going to, you know, we have equipment on site to start Sky Tower as well. And, you know, so I think that's a, just even just in a, even just for, you know, for Pinnacle, you got to remember that there's projects from all different cycles. You know, I, I have projects going in from, you know, this year, next year, yeah you know, built for five years from now. Like there's a, there's a lot of different opportunities. So, I mean, it's hard to, you know, just make a comment like, oh, sales is down. Yeah. Or sales is this. Why are people buying? You know, like there's different needs and so forth. You know, you could be that person that's like, okay, I'm going to be working from home now. I need a bigger space. Or I need to leave my parents' house. I need my own space. Yeah. There's a lot of drivers that are going to be probably current. And even for us, we've actually, you know, had several sales of, uh, of large units because people, from outside the GTA that just kind of said, Hey, you know what, if this ever happens again, I don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere. Right. With nothing around me. I'd rather be, you know, somewhere with the, where the action is, at least, you know, I can get things delivered, food delivered to me, all those components. So it's been quite interesting. Like it's been pretty eye opening how people have used this to um, kind of manage their kind of life dynamics. But yeah, we've, we've seen several couples that have moved in from, you know, outside the GTA that I would never really expect uh, to, you know, make a, a purchase like that uh, at this time. And, you know, that's like Cambridge, Peterborough, like places that, you know, you probably don't see that many deals from. And, uh, 
but for people to move in, not to, uh, not to, that's, that's just, wild. Just investment. I would have assumed you know, it would have been the exact opposite. Yeah. So, it, so to me, it's quite interesting. And I think that's where people need to go. You know, everyone's going to kind of write their own story. And I think that's, that's the great thing about um, being close to the sales process is seeing that, you know, everyone has their own story, you know, whether it's investing for their kids, whether it's, you know, for, for the future or when my kids move out, I want to move down there. Everyone has a different uh, philosophy. So we can't really just assume one general thread will change everyone. And I think that's, uh, I think that's important to remember because as we all judge how the market's going to come out of this, it's uh, everything's a little bit different. Everything has a, a, a different reason to, to purchase. And uh, you know, it's uh, it, yes, it is a big investment regardless, but you know, there's also lots of, people that, you know, were in stocks in different investment vehicles that maybe, you know, scared them as well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to happen. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely obviously happy to chat and, you know, people can reach me on my email, um, uh, on LinkedIn, um, you know, but, uh, I'm pretty active on those to, to keep an eye out on things. And, uh, but right now it's a, it's a great time. And, and I think sales is a, it's a really exciting time for sales because you. now you actually, now you truly see who can sell. Yeah. You get to prove your worth. I agree with that for and, sure. And, 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 you know, and, and that's, that's a great thing because that's, that's what gives me the most confidence is that I know my team can sell. Yeah. And, you know, provide the great service that people need at this time. And uh, I think those are kind of the most critical components when you go back to the basics of the industry and uh, I think sometimes we kind of lose that because we've kind of been in a, a really good hot streak for a, a long time and, you know, you forget yeah, the basics. For sure. It's the same as the resale market, right? Like, I mean, in the past, other than maybe for a couple months in 2017 there, but in the past five years, all you needed to know how to do was, you know, get a, get a property on MLS and it would sell itself. Right. And, and I think that, you know, we're in for some short-term headwinds and especially in the resale market and and I do think it's gonna it'll be a little bit uh, Darwinistic to to a lot of the people who just and I and I think that it could very well be that way in, in pre-construction as well right um, that, I think that's healthy though realistically like it, it could help us get to to a market where the majority of players belong there and, and earn their keep right yeah it, 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 it's a it's a healthy one I don't I don't think it's a like I said I don't think it's a negative thing I think it's a it's a great thing of going hey you know what maybe the way that the market was selling is maybe, maybe it wasn't the right way. And yeah. now we can maybe better pair people to the product they're actually looking for. Yeah. Uh, instead of just buying product in general, yeah. buying product they're actually looking for and then, and also making sure that they're financially sound to actually buy the product. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's a general conception that, you know, everyone, everyone has money. Right. So, you know, I'll, I'll hear that quite often from, when people come to the sales center, like, well, my client has money. Well, that's like your assumption of everyone, like everyone that drives a decent looking car or has a nice handbag. That right. doesn't mean that to get changed is that we all have a role to qualify our clients. And we also need to make sure that we're not putting them in a situation that will be financially stressful. And just assuming everyone is financially well off is a, is a, it's a difficult, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous assumption. And I think now after what's happened the last two months with whatever industry the person is in, 
maybe it's fair to ask that question now. Yeah. Well, especially knowing that, you know, basically the whole social media, like Instagram phenomenon and, and the way that we live in general is, you know, by design to make ourselves appear as wealthy as possible. So probably the handbag and the, and the nice car thing is definitely not a, probably not a good indicator of net worth at most times. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I really appreciate your, your insight. It's been uh, a ref- refreshingly um, positive dialogue about about the way that you see things and I, I would tend to agree on most points um so I, I really appreciate your time and um i think you've added a lot of value to myself and to others and, and i'm looking forward to seeing what you guys are i've been following uh, one young quite a bit and uh, i'm really really excited to see it that project take shape so well we're uh the prestige right now is uh just we're just on the seventh floor now it's 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 uh if you haven't been down here it's uh definitely going up uh, quite well and uh you're starting to see the shape of a lot of the things that we've built, you know, whether the uh, community center or the outdoor terrace, you can actually see it when you drive by now. And, uh, and right. soon we'll be starting work on uh, sky tower as well. We were, we were mobilizing until they, uh, they shut down uh, all sites without uh, above grade uh, right. uh, permits. So we were kind of, uh, we had to stop our process, but we had to, we just had to work on getting remobilized, but uh, right. the site looks, it, it's changed a lot, obviously from uh from when we purchased it and when it was a parking lot yeah. and now it's uh you know up to seven stories so it's uh you know it's exciting to see um and you know thank you very much for uh, having me today it's uh it's exciting uh to, to talk and uh those are you know i think you're doing a great thing and providing great uh, opportunities for people because i think people need uh i think for everyone everyone's it's like a buffet you got to keep on grabbing things from a you know, and trying as much things as possible and uh, yeah. the, the things you like, you kind of uh, keep on going back to. And uh, I yeah. think it's important for all of us to kind of do that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. Great. I really appreciate okay. it. Okay. My pleasure. You take care. Okay. Thanks, man. Take care. Bye.